The Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz and today I'm joined by Yvette Cleland from Clinical Professionals and she's the CEO of Clinical Professionals. Um, Travel from Southampton today, so oh, thank you all the way to East oh, London. Well. I really appreciate it. Um, so, Yvette, where I always like to start, mm-hmm. um, I had a bit of a peruse on your LinkedIn okay. um, <laughs> and your website and stuff, okay. your company's website. Um, how did you get into... Uh, Recruitment. recruitment. I'd love to. I'd love to start with that story. Uh, by accident, as most people yes. do. Uh, so, a very close friend of mine was uh, chief executive of a software house okay, um, cool. that supplied software to recruitment companies. Nice. I at the time worked in the pharmaceutical industry. I've been there for about seven and a half years. Worked for a company called uh, Janssen, okay. which is part of J and J. My next promotion with them would have meant I had to relocate, and I had to young children at the time didn't really want to do that and uh yeah my friend said to me have you ever considered recruitment and I mm. said no don't really know what it is yeah what was your perception <laughs> at that point was it, it was rather like being a state agent not that oh, there okay. is anything wrong <laughs> being an yeah, estate yeah, yeah. agent um but quite often there is a comparison for made sure there um and I was worried about losing all of my um industry knowledge that I had oh, okay. built up yeah, in that's my sciences. so did um, you study that by the way um, so I, I didn't, I don't have a degree. Um, okay. I was very lucky getting into, um, I was one of the first people to ever enter pharmaceuticals without a degree. I oh, is it? So I, I don't know much about, like, very, do you normally very need? Very, degree, oh, okay. degree based. I'm um, sure that's changing though, right? No, or... not really. No, oh, okay. Not, <laughs> Fair not enough. at all. There's Fair a enough. real um, thing about it. Okay, uh, okay. But basically, my background had been set, had been sales. I yeah, worked yeah, for yeah. Yellow Pages for uh, quite a few oh, years. Selling advertising? Yeah. Nice. In yeah. the Yellow Pages? I did indeed. Nice. And um, when I had my children, I then wanted a part-time job. And I sure, saw sure. a part-time a bit job more flexible. advertised yeah, for um, something called a medical rep. And I thought, oh, I don't okay. know what that is. But so I applied for the job and they said, you, you have to have a degree. And um, I talked them into meeting me anyway. Love it. I said, well, ultimately, it's a sales job. And they said, well, you've got to be quite bright to do yeah, this. Yeah. And I thought, well, OK. Um, but so said, you oh, was a recruiter oh, before you was already in recruitment, yeah. it sounds like. Yeah, <laughs> quite a little bit. <laughs> um, but they nice. did interview me cool. in the end, which was great. And their premise at the time was they wanted to test out a few people that perhaps had more of a sales background than perhaps a life sciences background sure. and that worked really well for me so I was offered a job um and actually did really well I really loved loved the industry yeah, yeah. um however towards the end of my time there everything was changing in pharmaceuticals and I just really wanted to try again I do like quite at the coal face sales do you and it was a bit soft for me, really? Yeah, it's a little bit soft. And what do you like about that? Because a lot of people wouldn't, um, wouldn't say that. What is it that you like? Um, I really love um, the people interaction side sure. of it. Um, I was out on my own working a lot of the time, travelling okay. around the that country. That can be quite lonely, right? And that's lonely. Um, maybe meeting with one or two key opinion leaders a day. Um, and what I like is to be in a vibrant you know, sort of yeah, well, yeah. like your office is here, which is yeah. fabulous. Um, yeah, it helps. To be around people. I feel like it helps a lot. Yeah, and I wanted sales. to sell to people as well. Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, when okay. when my friend said to me, um, you know, you, you should look at recruitment. Yeah. He then went on to say, I found one that does pharmaceuticals. Ooh. So it was like a, oh my goodness me, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. sign. Okay. Law of attraction. Yes. Um, and I joined a really super company uh, in a. A village called Andover, um, 
that's uh, in Hampshire. I think it's in Hampshire. Okay. Yeah, it is. Um, but I, I joined uh, yeah a business called Alchemy, and I worked with them for a couple of years. But so was you straight on the phone, straight into a. Hundred percent. It was awful. I nearly got fired in my first three months. Because, <laughs> Why? Um, because I'd been in a very technical sales role. Okay. I had been in a very protected environment. There was very. There was no cold calling or anything like that. You know. In it your was, previous job. Yeah. It okay. was Quite often, key opinion leaders would be calling me up and asking me okay. to go and spend some, some time with them and their team. Yeah. And, yeah. And to develop, um, you know, some of the product knowledge of uh, of our products, and I was doing a lot of pharmacoeconomics. At the t- it was just quite a technical yeah, yeah, yeah. role. To then be given a Rolodex and a oh, bunch of CVs Jesus. in a tray, and told just to get on the telephone. There was no training. Really, just um, chuck straight in the it deep was end. Literally, tra- they were sort of of the opinion that if I'd worked in pharmaceuticals, I'm, I must be able to recruit, which is absolute. Rubbish. rubbish yeah and it's the first time I I, I did properly re- I'd been so well trained at Janssen like really to within an inch mm. of my life to just be thrown into something and that's always stayed with me how did um, you cope with that um, so what, not very stayed well. with you those first three months what happened yeah, not very well because months? I was failing abysmally at recruiting because really? I didn't understand how important the candidate was was that it? Was that the ref- was, on reflecting on yeah, it? That was completely it. Completely client centric. I was just ringing all these people, but I didn't have a product to give them, mm. which made me a little bit of a weapon, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then one of the managing directors that was Johnny Owen called me into a room and said, "You're just really rubbish at this." <laughs> and I said, "What would make me be better?" Because um, obviously you're not going to train me. Yeah. And they said, um, "You're ringing up people and asking them if they've got any jobs, but you don't have any candidates." Okay. And I thought, oh, okay. It so, sounds simple, but if you've been given no context or any guidance, yeah. then how would you know? I sold drugs for a living before that. <laughs> I was really good at selling drugs. <laughs> Control drugs as well. Um, and, uh, you know, there's certain mechanics of how a drug and a mode of action of how it works. Of so someone's asked to see you and, uh, you know, with yeah, yeah. selling people, selling people to people is a whole different oh, different ball, ball game. game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, drugs tend to act in a certain, well, we hope they act in a certain way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> all the contraindications could come into into account there. But you know, drugs should work in a certain way. People don't. Yeah. You know, people change their minds um, all of the time. So you're, you're dealing with those yeah, two yeah. volatile. So what happened actions. after that conversation then? Did, so, did just a, a light bulb just go in your head? Like, well, oh. they said to me, "You need candidates, um, okay. and you've got a month to sort your wow whoopie doo dolls out." So, and in tandem to that, they fired the other girl that joined at the same, at the same time, time as me. Ow. It was awful. <laughs> so, um, I went back and looked at the jobs that I had on, and they were really all um, sales type, medical, medical representatives, senior med reps, regional business managers. And I thought, I know loads of these people because when I was on the, mm. when I was working in the industry at that level, these were all my mates. I yeah, used to yeah, meet yeah, them yeah. at conferences. I used to meet them at yeah, exhibitions. Yeah, yeah. So I thought to myself, where do all these people go? Now, this is long before we had, I did have a mobile phone, but it was massive. <laughs> long before we had, you know, laptops, we could hit the internet, yeah. job boards. There was none of that back then. So um, I thought, well, where do all these people collect? And I yeah. thought, well, they, they're all in the hospitals or at GP surgeries. Yeah, yeah. So I used to go and sit in my car outside GP surgeries and wait for the med reps to come in, yeah. give them my business card. Love ask that. Ask them to post me out their CV or to give me a call at the office. Love used that. to go and sit in hospitals. Used to see them. Um, med reps always used to carry what we called a cavalier case. And I used to be able to spot a med rep a mile away. Love it. So as they were coming through, I'd give them my business card, ask them to call me. And funnily enough... So did you do this through working hours or outside of working hours? Um, both. Love it. Both. 
Love it. Just did both. For okay. A while. Um, then I got really, really good at recruitment. Very smart. I had the products that my clients wanted, but my cr- products, my candidates were exclusive. Nobody else had them because I was going to sit where yeah, they yeah. feed themselves yeah, yeah, and yeah, give yeah. them my cards and meet with them and talk to them, yeah. interview them. So, yeah. Question for you then. How long did you keep that secret for? Um, throughout my career at Alchemy, I didn't <laughs> Did you? Love I'm it. I'm also quite a selfish girl. Um, I was bringing up two little girls on my own yeah, at the time. Yeah, and yeah. I wanted, you know, I you need to eat to, yourself. I needed to feed my children yeah, and yeah. buy the odd rather fabulous handbag. <laughs> um, uh, but no, it was my, no, my children that. always, always. I think, um, I think the key point for me to underline in that, in that story is um, you ask yourself the question where do these people collect, where do these people hang out, right? And I think that's super relevant at the moment in the world that we live in when there's so much noise and now, like, everyone is everywhere, right? You can't, like, those people now walking in the same places, they're getting hit by so many different people. If it's billboards on the side, if it's the TV or whatever, like, there's just so many people trying to trying to contact people through all different um, ways. So I think that's such a good question to ask yourself when you're a recruiter is... Where the people's attention that I want, where where is it? Mm. Not many people do that, right? They just continue just doing what they used to, the database, whatever. Yeah. And it's just such a good question to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was there for a few years. So then, was it? Um, did you just basically progress up the ranks, or was it just? I did indeed. I ended up uh, managing that business. Did you? <laughs> yeah. And you um, went from the person who's like, "You're rubbish. Yeah. Can't get any candidates." No, no, to you get fired. Love that. Uh, I was then headhunted uh, out of there. Uh, and I went to um, be a national sales manager for one of the first job boards. Really? So oh, so you went outside of... Okay. Yeah, so yeah. You, then you were selling so to recruiters. they wanted a recruitment expert, which I was absolutely not. Um, <laughs> Perception that, is reality. That could, <laughs> totally. <laughs> that could then develop and, uh, and grow a team of salespeople selling into recruitment companies, okay. job boards. But at the time, it was quite conceptual because job boards were quite new. Wow. In India, so it was quite a conceptual sell. Um, I mean, Reed then was in its very, very early days. Really? The um, job board I worked with at the time has been bought and bought again and changed brands, but it was it was called um, Job Science back then. Okay. So, so it's specific um, again to the, your search. industry? Well, some. Some. Okay. Some was. Some wasn't. There were about three or four different job, job boards within that okay. portfolio of brands. Yeah. Um, very interestingly, uh, and I did get the company to change their strategy, they were trying to focus on the client market at the time, selling the job boards to the clients. And oh, I what, so s- allow them to recruit directly? Yeah, and I kept saying, forget that, you're never going to get volume business. And Job Magic was the um, was the, the job board that was more um, generic. Um, and I said, you, you are not going to attract. You might get, you know, corporates that, you know, might be uh, taking on that, yeah. but they're still going to use. At this time, did they? At this time, did they, I'm sure maybe a lot of these corporates didn't build, have built in-house teams to. They absolutely didn't. There, they go. They had HR people. Then, or actually, back then it was a personnel manager. Okay. And they used <laughs> to do as much around payroll as they did. Yeah, around exactly. Recruitment. So, and it's Line a full-time managers, job. Yeah, back then tended to do all yeah. of their own recruitment, and once they'd found who they were looking for, they would then just. Um, you know, let HR mm. know. It was very, very different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very different. So they flipped market. it and went for recruiters. Yeah. So, yes, I sort of flipped that philosophy yeah, yeah, and yeah. said, if you want volume, you are going to have to go for a recruitment staffing market. That's what you're going to have yeah, to focus yeah, yeah. on, not on corporate. So how do you deal uh, dealing with recruiters as customers then? How'd that go? See, I really like recruiters. I always yeah. have done. Um, there's always... 
we always, as I say, we get this quite... I Often when I'm looking at LinkedIn and I yeah. see some of the stuff that goes on there about recruiters, and I know some recruiters that work for me and that don't work for me, actually, work for other businesses, that do amazing things out there. Definitely. Really, really talented, talented people. But all we ever read in social media is, is, the word, is the bad stuff, yeah. Now, if everybody's um, career in life was represented by the weapons that go in and do something awful, yep. then, you know, bankers, lawyers, you know, yeah, there's, yeah, there's yeah. no one that would be clean out there. No, no, no. You know, there's always going to be one or two people or one or two businesses that do yeah. something dreadful. But it's like it's okay, it's an open turkey shoot with recruitment, you're allowed to go in <laughs> and take them out. <laughs> and I, I think that's not fair. So how about sometimes we go in and talk about some of the magnificent things that staffing companies can do? Yeah, I agree. It, it's it's also a big thing for me that I want to achieve with this. Like, it's just, it, as I said, none of these conversations are edited. It's just generally open on their stories and failures and successes. Mm. Um, and a lot of the people that I've met through this and also myself, it came quite natural to me. But uh, I've said this a few times now, but the money is great, but actually impacting people's lives and getting those phone calls and yeah. emails of Hisham you've listened to me and I'm now in this position it, yeah. it totally outweighs that and Absolutely. that goes on the, if you think about it that goes on a daily basis to, to well hopefully to, to recruiters well, do you know what I mean you so, all of this so um, it was our AGM in June okay and just before our AGM I wanted to find out why people work for us because we've had you know quite a challenging few few months we've had some new systems implemented and mm. it's, it's put you know quite a lot of burden on the business and you know obviously first and foremost my job is to make sure that the people that I work with are happy and for sure. um, you know that they feel comfortable in their environment and, and feel they can be successful yeah so we sent out a questionnaire to everybody in the business and it just asked two things what's your purpose and why do you work here love it and um what come back? I'm not an overtly emotional person. We're certainly not in the the workplace anyway. But actually, really, did it give me quite a wake up call because I was expecting. Um, I mean, I do love all my guys anyway. They're brilliant. But I was expecting. I do this job because I can earn a lot of money. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do this job because I can get a career. I do this job because actually, what came back was I love my job because I love my market, life sciences, it's amazing. I love my job because I work with great people. Um, I really, really enjoy my job because um, I find really talented people, jobs in industry. Mm. And when I read that, I think there are only a couple of responses that actually said, I love my job because I earn lots of money. <laughs> um, and there's nothing wrong with that. If you work hard, and people do work hard, well, recruitment is, very, is one of those very, very few... Um, careers that you can actually control what you earn and how mm. you earn it my younger daughter has definitely done that yeah. um and when i got that feedback i thought that is brilliant and i've now collated that feedback and made it part of our brochure and part of our presentation yeah you should because we talk a lot to our clients about the employee journey the employee value proposition yeah and how important it is nowadays that as an employer you are not necessarily going to be the person that everybody wants to work it's for, changed. but you may well have a phenomenal story and you're not telling people that. Now, recruitment businesses can share your story and can really tell candidates why it's a brilliant reason why they should choose yeah. this business over maybe a couple of these yeah, we're very storytellers. large corporates. We're great Absolutely. storytellers, yeah. 
So use us to do that. We're not one trick ponies. We yeah. can absolutely do that if you engage with us at a certain level. Um, so actually hearing that from the teams that I work with was Yeah, was that, must, that must have been really because good. Because they work really, really hard mm. and they've had some really tough challenges and that's what our, our clients don't see. Mm. They don't see, we're like ducks, you know, we're yeah, all yeah, yeah. floating along on the top. Those little legs are going like the clappers underneath. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And we do take very seriously what we do. Yeah, I think I had to learn that quite quickly when I started dealing with clients was it's very easy just to put the client on the pedestal early yeah, on yeah. in your career, very easy to do that. But and then when they're always talking about um, that we should be cheaper or trying to slash your rates and they don't see your value, a lot of that comes down to the recruiter actually educating them that we don't just sit there, go on a job board, put our feet up, get um, mm. candidate CVs and then just send them over. Because it's down to us to educate them, right? Yeah. Um, I had to learn that quickly. Do you know what I used to say to my clients when I was recruiting? <laughs> what was it? So I'd get on and I'd get towards the end of my pitch and there were all the buying signals and I would say to them, do you want who's available on the market or do you want the best candidate on the market? Nice. And they come straight back and well, I want the best candidate on the market. <laughs> I'd say then you and I need to work a little bit better together because at the moment, based on what you've just told me, you're not going to get the best candidate in yeah, the market. Yeah, yeah. You will get who's available. And what I don't want them is starting a job and then falling out of the job. Exactly, that makes yeah, neither yeah. of us happy. Yeah. Um, and that actually was quite a compelling For sure. thing to say. Uh, also, when I worked in a contract, I always used to say to my clients, so who do you call first when you've got a, a vacancy? Yeah, and they'd yeah. always come back and say, oh, I always call you first. <laughs> and I'd say, yeah, right, I know you don't. And yeah. I'd say to them, really, why? And often there would be a silence. Ooh. And I would say to them, if you can't answer why quickly, I'm not the first person you yeah, call, yeah, yeah. and I'm not working with you well enough. Because I need you to understand why you work with me first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was quite, again, a compelling pitch to put forward to a client. Because if you are a client, and particularly back then when mine generally did all of their own recruitment, they would go and work with those people that consistently delivered for them. Yeah. You know, that was important. And so I was always working to get to the stage where I was consistently delivering, so they always yeah, 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 yeah. No, I really like that. That's really valuable. I think anyone listening, there are two things straight away that you can start implementing in, in your pitch. I think that's amazing. I don't know if it might be a bit old school now, <laughs> but, you know. No, but so let's fast forward then. So you worked for the job board, and then what? Did you get back into <coughs> recruitment, and how was that sort of... How was that journey? I w- well, I was head-hunted out of there again. So um, I basically was with them for nearly three years. Okay. And then they had scaled the business to sell it. Okay. It acquired. Nice. I was offered a role to move with that business, but the new business was going to Hammersmith. Okay. Now, I at the time was living in Southampton with okay. two little girls. Yeah. Uh, both at school there, a really good school there. And I just thought there's, couldn't I just do couldn't do that commute. Yeah. Um, so around the same time, um, two pharmaceutical staffing businesses had merged. They were trying okay. to map and match what was happening in industry. So at that time, there were lots of mergers and acquisitions okay. within the pharmaceutical company. So to be a good recruitment position, you needed to be quite big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, they approached me and said, we're merging our business. We need somebody to come in and head up all of our UK resourcing um, just to make sure we get all of our delivery rights. Yeah, yeah, something yeah. you would be interested in doing. And I think because I've been working for a job board as well, it was quite a, an interesting twist, plus I'd worked in industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also with that business, um, there were a lot of um, opportunities to sort of build quite large teams. Mm. Um, so we had some, we would call it functional service provision today, but back then it was basically big contract teams okay. that worked directly for us. Yeah. 
and we hosted them into a pharmaceutical company oh. and they would go out and sell the company's products yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was a, a model that you could switch on and off quite quickly yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we would then just redeploy those contract workers of course, into other of course, businesses of course. And, yeah, makes sense. and things like that so um, I joined that business Futures Resourcing um, oh god I don't know how long ago that would be <laughs> oh, 15, 16 years ago maybe a bit really? longer Oh, so how long did God, you stay there? Maybe 18 years ago. Um, I stayed there for about two, two, two and a half years. Yeah. Um, and then just wanted to try. I Again, it was, I love I love candidates. I love Love the people part, yeah. I like selling. Yeah. And I like pitching. Yeah. And I wanted to do something um, just a little bit more rounded, if you like. Okay. Um, so that's when I first entered the world of accounts and finance recruitment. On the back of that, um, my eldest daughter had been very ill when okay. she was little. Um, just for a period of time, um, she had meningitis. She was very, very ill. Yeah. And I was travelling a lot yeah, at yeah, that yeah. time with the business I was at all around the UK. Uh-huh. Um, at that time, we didn't really know Europe existed, but I was going across to Ireland a lot. And I okay. worked quite a large territory. And I wanted something closer to home. I wanted to be closer to my kids yeah. um, and be able to be there after yeah, school yeah, yeah, a little course. bit more and things yeah. like that. So I took a little bit of a step down in my career, but went into um, a branch manager's role with a company called Badenoch and Clark. Okay, um, working uh, in and around the sort of Southampton, Bournemouth, Portsmouth. It's more local, sort of region. What I did learn when I went there was <laughs> what recruitment was, what okay. it really, really was, because accounts and finance recruitment is so different <laughs> from pharmaceutical recruitment, where everyone's okay. frightfully fabulous and very nice to each other, mm. and it's all a bit soft soap and blah, blah, blah. And then I went straight into what felt like a, a bear's pit, but it was brilliant, brilliant it experience. It taught you a lot. I probably learned more in that first six months than I'd learned in the previous five years. Wow. It was unbelievable. Did you yeah. have training? I did. And in the end, I started actually doing a lot of the training for Baden. Really? Clark. Yes. So what, 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 were the, what were the key learnings then from like key why, learnings, um, why was it so in... Speed and urgency. Okay. Um, candidate preparation. Okay. You know, ferociously um, competitive. So your, your candidate prep, your candidate support, yeah, yeah, yeah. that candidate ownership, how mm. you looked after that candidate. I'd always looked after mine, but they were very compliant candidates. In that faster-moving market, yeah, 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 yeah. it's far less compliance with your okay. candidates. You don't have that deep-rooted relationship sure. with them, not to begin with anyway. I mean, I'm still in contact to this day with a couple of candidates that I placed back then. Love it. That's um, a great thing about recruitment, I think. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and one one of them in particular has done so 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 well. Um, <laughs> he came to me. Um, he uh, and this is, his wife had left him. He's got two little boys. Yeah. He didn't really have a skill base. He couldn't get any work. Um, he'd been sent to us by the job centre. Yeah, yeah. And uh, in this sort of ill-fitting suit and everything, and he'd he'd said, "I, you know, I need to do something for my kids." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we just he just wanted an entry-level accounts role. And I'm thinking there is nothing on paper to recommend <laughs> you. But the beauty of recruitment is you, by then I'd built up some really nice relationships with clients. Nice. So I could pick up the phone to four or five people and say, Look. what I'm about to say to you, you're going to think I'm a lunatic. Yeah. 
but I think this lad's got real potential. Yeah, nice. Um, he's really bright. He's got nothing on paper, but he's completely numeric, literate. He's just a nice, yeah, he's yeah. very numerate. It's just a nice lad. Um, we we used to do lots of testing when we we yeah yeah that makes in. sense. Um, anyway, one of the clients did take him on, and he now runs his own business. Love it. He's yeah, so great story. Just shows you. Yeah. So it seems like again, fast forward five years, it comes back to the candidate piece, right? Always. It, we yeah. are in a relationship economy. Yeah. Years ago, um, it was harder to get a candidate, but when you got one, it was very, very easy to work purely with that candidate and that candidate only until you place them. Mm. Nowadays, we've got so much white noise out there yeah. on every billboard and every piece of social media. We've got all this clickbait going, yeah, all these yeah. different things that we're trying all of the time. We're forgetting that good candidates respond to motivation and relationships mm. and we can have some really sexy ai you know we're implementing ai into our business at the moment in yeah. terms of our database to find more people but what if i find these people and i can't build a relationship with them exactly. what if they don't want to use me because they think we're horrible or that we don't offer a good enough service or we're not the right fit for them mm. or that we won't be responsible about their career and that's really important we're we're dealing with people often that have families that rely on them. Yeah, you know, yeah. if, we, if we help people or force people into making the wrong decision, there's a huge weight on our shoulders. Definitely. And so that's really, really important. So subject matter expertise is absolutely critical now. And so is that relationship economy. Mm. Does, um, do you think that can be taught? Um, I think there are some things in life you can teach. I think there are some things in life you can't. Mm. And I think it's difficult to teach people how to listen. Mm. <laughs> um, I think quite often when I interview yeah, um, and I say to people I'm interviewing, why do you think you'll be good at this? They say, oh, I've got the gift of the gab. Really? And I think, well, that's Is not that actually an answer? very far. Oh, yeah, God. sometimes. <laughs> and I say, well, what do you think the biggest talent is within recruitment one of the core skills skills yeah what do you get they often get well you know i can really talk people into this and da, da, da. And i always ask well what do you like at listening and sometimes i'll do little role plays and things just to see yeah uh, how well they can um, sort of retain information um also asking about something i always always ask when i'm i'm recruiting now is about so your motivation can go up and down on a daily basis, Course. particularly in recruitment. Yes. One day I'm the happiest woman in the entire universe. The next day I'm crawling around on the floor. That's exactly thinking, why I called this a roller coaster. That's oh, what I learned quick. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Um, however, if you are able to identify highly committed people, yes, that never changes. If you can find in their pathway in life that they've shown constant commitment, commitment to something, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if their motivation ebbs on a day, okay. the commitment line stays the same. So they'll go up and up and down across that. And you can manage that. If the commitment's not there and the motivation goes up and down, you lose people. That's really interesting, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I had to learn the listening thing. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> and the admin thing as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I think, yeah, my... My advice, you add on whatever you'd like, but for me, what I had to learn quickly and what my boss said, what, when I first started, what I used to do, and I'm sure you see this a lot, is I used to ask a question to a candidate or client and then I'd answer it for them pretty much. Yeah. Because um, yeah. you want to hear what you want to hear, right? Absolutely. So my, my always advice to people is like, and it, 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 when you get 
better at recruitment, that's what you get better at. It is listening, yeah. because then you you then equip yourself with the knowledge that you need to to then Absolutely. go position things in yeah. a certain way. And actually, as you said, listen out for people's motivations and Absolutely. not just go, oh yeah, yeah, they're they're going to go mm. for this job interview when really deep down, you know, I'm I'm not entirely yeah. sure. Well, here's the thing, and this is where it gets interesting. Go on. So we're going to put AI into our, our uh, CRM. Okay. And I'm sure 90% of every other recruitment company is going to do the same thing. Yeah. So we're going to have candidates um, that are being selected on algorithms and things yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An algorithm is never going to get you a job. No. And so I have got perfectly good resource teams that can match a skill-based CV to a job description. Yes. Because I could actually employ anybody pretty much to do that it's just keyword search yeah yeah yeah. however there is a nuance within a job description and a relationship with a a, a line manager and there is a nuance within a candidate skill base and their relationship with you and i very rarely see somebody not take a job or somebody not be hired because their skill base doesn't match what we've said prior to them going to the interview yeah the feedback we generally will get if we don't get it right is, um, and it's really silly things, um, journey just was too long. So I always ask candidates to do a journey map for yeah, the yeah. go. Uh, how will that fit in with their lifestyle, things like that? Or um, just their general values and motivation. Some companies just will not fit other mm, people's values sure. and motivations. Yeah. Um, and there are just nuances within roles. You know, the... Um, perhaps a style of a certain manager that I know with a certain character yeah, yeah, is yeah. never going to gel. Yeah. It's not the right environment for them. Um, or their levels of drive aren't quite right. There will be a hundred different reasons. But it's very rarely that their skills... Somebody Generally, you won't interview somebody when you've read their CV that their skills don't match the job. Yeah, yeah. It's more around that person. That person, yeah. What they're like uh, and how they can adapt and, mm. uh, and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so my advice is ask your question and shut up. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Shut up now. <laughs> <laughs> um, amazing. Love that. So I think you, you've touched on it already, but so how how do you see the recruitment industry evolving? Because it seems like thing, things are changing, right? And they have changed yeah. um, a lot, but it seems like it's definitely ramping up. Um, mm. What? How do you see it evolving in the next sort of five to, to ten years? It won't look anything like it looks now okay um so if i if i give you us as an example yeah go on um five or six years ago when when, um i was looking at the strategy of the business and where it was going and why i knew that that traditional staffing model of um putting a bum on a seat in any company you can just wasn't yeah how things were going to be and that as a staffing industry, we need to add more value to the industry in which we serve. Yes. Um, if we don't do that, we become irrelevant. So we've seen a massive, massive um, growth in talent teams going in-house. Now, there are some very talented um, people out there working in-house for sure. Um, however, as talented as they are, they're one-trick ponies. Okay. They have one job to offer a candidate that applies to them, yep. and they cannot give them a wide, wider world view of what's actually going on out there in industry. So for a start, if you're a subject matter expert in recruitment, in yep. life sciences, and a candidate calls or you call a candidate and you talk to them about a role, you will probably have four or five different vacancies that they can look at, and one of those will f- yeah, yeah, yeah. fit them better. Yeah. 
Um, number two, you can tell them about what's actually happening out there in industry because you're seeing it in real time across multiple platforms. Mm. The other thing that we did with our business is three years ago, we wrote an extensive training program for young graduates coming out of university that. that couldn't get first to industry roles. So we have completely funded and trained now. Why? Just quickly, sorry. Yeah. Because I, I wanted to ask you about that. Why and where did that come from? Like, So when I, when I entered industry... Yeah. I didn't have a degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the other 30 people I joined that business with all had a degree. Yeah. And we all joined on the same day. And every year, the company uptake of graduates, they would take on maybe 40 to 50 graduates a year and train them. Yeah. We outsource everything in this country now. So yes. within life sciences in particular, the drug companies, the pharmaceutical companies, the biotech companies, they tend to outsource a lot of their clinical trials mm. and things like that. Also during 07 and 08, they threw a lot of their learning and development programs literally under the bus, got rid of them mm. um, because they didn't feel they had to train to such a degree anymore and that they would get all of the staff they needed through all these outsourcing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's now left us with just a lack of um, well-trained graduates coming through the system and also graduates themselves with sometimes forty, fifty thousand pounds worth of learnings yeah, yeah, yeah. couldn't get a first to industry role. Crazy. It's just crazy. It is crazy. Um, so we decided we wanted to do something that facilitated the training of those individuals to make them more appealing to a pharmaceutical to a potential company, employer. Yeah. employer by giving them some really, really solid training. Um, and you do that in-house from... Yeah. We do that in-house. Yeah, yeah. And we wrote the programme. It took us 12 months. And very interestingly, now Kent University want to work with us on a, a Love clinical trial degree. Uh, and we're yeah. a staffing business. So already look at the value. Comes down to the value add, right? Absolutely. Um, and now to date, we have um, funded and trained and placed into first-to-industry roles well over 100 graduates. That's amazing. So I feel really proud of that. Now, you should be. from a commercial perspective, because my job, ultimately, <laughs> is to make the business commercially viable. Yes. Um, so it's a beautiful value add. It opens a lot of doors to us to clients. Mm. We do make a small profit yeah. on actually that model, which is good. Um, How long did it take to make a small profit, though? That was going to be my question, because... Did Pete, did Pete, did you get much friction to that or was it, you know what, great idea, let's go or hang on a minute, is this, are we going to lose money or, because it's a long term play, right? The first six months was really hairy. Because mm. um, it is a long term, it's, it is, it's, yeah, so. it is. And okay. we had to have a bit of balls really to, yeah, to yeah. keep on it. Love that. Um, to keep the belief system in place and that paid off. Love that. And it's worked really, really well. Yeah, and it's yeah, an yeah. ever-expanding program now. We've actually had pharmaceutical companies come to us and ask us if they can take our, our training function and just sort of white-label it and use it themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that good. And universities, and we sat on the government trailblazers for apprenticeships as wow, well. Okay. So we really have gone in and dug quite deep mm. um, to add value to our industry. Um, the other thing we do every year is we produce a hardback book. Yeah. Um, and it's a pan-European salary survey. So nice. it's like, well, all recruitment companies do salary surveys. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Well, whatever. It is a good value add, though. However, ours However. is not just a salary okay. survey. <laughs> when you go into it, it's now got five years of data that wow. shows the shifts and changes mm. in industry. The side effect is we get accurate salaries and what's happening out there and remuneration and benefits yeah, and yeah, things yeah. like that. 
but also it's now a, a deep data source of where the changes and conflicts are sure. in skilled workers across the European Union. Mm. We now have companies that advertise in it. So um, trade associations, um, software companies, because they want yep. to put the pla- you know, their well, you have the attention, don't you? Well. So, Absolutely. So that goes out to every year. Um, over 6,000 decision makers in industry um, with an HR, line yeah. manager, etc. But what I wanted when we developed that is, number one, to give value to industry, but also to have an item that stayed on someone's desk for a year. Yes. Because Very nowadays, nice. there isn't really anything. that's Everything yeah. is clear desk policy. Yeah. Um, so what would be so valuable to somebody that they would want to retain it for a year and that was it. That's branding. And it does. And Very. it's constant branding. Yeah, yeah. Love that. So, so I think to, to wrap that up, and that, I loved all of that, is it comes down to if you're a recruitment business owner, to stay relevant and to stay important is, is doing things like that, right? So everything that you spoke yeah. about is is those value adds and yeah. really it's, it's actually becoming part of your industry, right? And it the, is. And the, so yeah. I had a client say to me uh, about 18 months ago, oh, so you're turning into a training company. And I said, no. <laughs> when did I say that? Yeah. So well, you've got all these people you're training. I said, I am creating the skills for your you industry. Need. Yeah. That's not just training because once I place them with you, my guys still come out on site and are still training and developing those people. There you go. So, um, you know, we are really giving something back yeah not just to, to me now i see it as a little bit of corporate social responsibility to mm. a degree because you're making an impact and i say to the client as well if you are a good client you will also see it as yeah, yeah, social, yeah. and you will start to open up some of your roles to these individuals and we're also now an apprenticeship provider as well mm. so again it's still all about that creation of skills we as a country need to have something to offer post-Brexit, whatever that is going to yeah, look like. Yeah, we definitely do, yeah. And one of the core things that will continue to attract foreign direct investment to this country, particularly around life sciences, which is a global business for us and we're brilliant at it, is if we have the skilled workforce. Mm. Because there are shortages globally of these, these people. So yeah, yeah. we're skilling them up and we're getting them out there. We will continue to attract that investment. I love that. So... Slight shift because I feel like you'd have some really good insights. <laughs> um, what what do you see? You may see it in your business now. You've seen it over the time. What do you see in terms of a top a top biller, a really good recruiter? What sort of not shortfalls or maybe even habits that you constantly see sort of that prevents them from taking it to the next level? Is there any sort of common themes that you've seen in your time and that? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Talk to me. Share. <laughs> Excuse me. Right, there are two two main things. Go on. Um, I think our wonderful millennials, which have uh, you know some absolutely amazing talent, yeah, are over overly reliant on technology. Okay. Um, so they're not going to hospitals and giving out business cards. They they don't even pick the telephone up. <laughs> so um, I okay. understand there's a shift in the way that we work, For sure. and that a lot of our work is done through you know, approaching people from LinkedIn or maybe going back to your database and sending yep, out yep, an email yep. with why you want to make contact with somebody or dropping them a text. But ultimately, that personal touch and that telephone call is what's going to really help you move it from a transaction to a relationship. Yes. And we have become too transactional. Okay. Um, now, if 
I'm, I might be a bit old now or a little bit older school, but ultimately I think relationships are as important today as they were in the 1930s. I don't think there's any difference in that. Couldn't we may have more. to facilitate them in a slightly different way <coughs> and the entry point might look different. Yeah. But ultimately we all have something still in our DNA where we want to have a relationship with somebody yeah. um, in terms of working relationship and getting them to understand what you need. Yeah. That doesn't happen through email. If you think about the number of texts that you get that you may read incorrectly or an email because you will look at it in a certain way and read it and the person that's written it may have yeah. written it in another Couldn't manner. Agree more. And it's, you know. Yeah. So um, So that was so with that it was get back to your like make sure you're focusing on the relationship part. Sometimes people come a bit too focused on it's the... It's too transactional. Okay. Just remember the person at the end of that email is a person. Is a person, yeah, yeah, And yeah. going back to what I said earlier on, it's not their job skills that will stop them getting a job necessarily. It's the people part. It's the people It's a person, part. yeah. It's their motivation. What's the, what's the other thing that you have seen a lot of? Um, <laughs> millennials can't remember anything. <laughs> My... The eldest daughter yes. is great. She can remember everything. But okay. She's quite old. She was 31 uh, <laughs> yesterday. Um, my little daughter, who's a recruiter, um, she struggles to remember stuff. Okay. Um, because I think your world is very different. Yeah. You have everything in real time happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My kids can talk to me. They can be on their mobile phone or changing the television channel um, eating, talking, they can do all these things and they can multitask. Yeah. It's fabulous, but I can't remember anything mm. because they've never had to. So if you look at our schooling and education system, if you don't get it right the first time, you just keep trying until you get it yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, that's not really the way the world is. Yeah. I then get these poor buggers coming to work for me. <laughs> I can't remember anything. And the world's always been really pretty. Mm. Uh, and of course, when you get into, we're a business. Um, we're a good business and we're a lovely business to work in, but sales job. Yeah, bloody good sales job, but it's a sales job. Yeah, You're yeah, selling yeah. people to people. So um, I used to be able to. I can still recall candidates to this day. Yeah, that I've I heard that helps with. a lot. I've heard that helps a lot. So we had a situation the other day. We've had some um, new software imp- implemented recently. It didn't quite go as well as we had hoped. Okay, uh, but we're getting there. And some of the coding, the att- attributes that we would have, have yeah. had on our our system, didn't quite work the way we expected them to. And one of my recruiters, one of my senior recruiters, C was actually director in London, could not find this candidate anywhere on the database. Oh, I hate that. Went to bed overnight, woke up in the morning, could remember the candidate's name and come back in, put it on the database and found it. Oh, I love it. However, she's a little bit more mature. And I think there's still <laughs> that thing, whereas I know. Yeah. It always shocks. I still go into job meetings with some of the teams. I like. I really like to know what's going on yeah, out there. Yeah, yeah. I still do training, day one training for anybody that joins the business. Love that. Um, there's a lot of people in my business now, but I always, always spend um, and do that initial yeah. training course so they know me. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They I don't want them seeing some middle-aged woman wandering around the business thinking, who is she? Yeah, of course. Um, so I like to go in and do that day one training with them and take them through the industry and re- really get them up to speed. Um, but uh, oh, I've completely lost my Remembering, no, no, oh, yeah, no. I was just going off on that one then. <laughs> and you're talking um, about remembering, right? Yes, and I can't remember <laughs> a bloody thing because I've gone off on a tangent. No, let's, let, let's flip that then because, again, I think you can give a lot of value through your experience. What, what, what about... What advice can really help? Because for me, the first 12 months are fucking difficult in yes, recruitment, right? Yes, so yes, yes. What, like, what sort of 
two key or three key pieces of advice for those people that are early on or whatever what yeah. what key things do you see that if they do these three things right then they have a very good chance in because what I found out the other day through someone um, Tara who was on this show she's a rhetoric and she does loads of um, uh, research around um, people getting in the industry and all that and she she told me that one in three people only stay in the industry for longer than 12 months yeah so um, you may see that in your in your business, right? Yeah. So, yeah, what are the two, three key things that you think can really help people have more of a chance in those first go months? Two really simple things: one on go a on. personal level, and then one on on the career side of yeah. things. So, on the personal level, we have uh, a mentor scheme, nice mentoring scheme within the business. That has really had a high impact on our attrition. Okay. Because I think. So if we go back to me, when I first, first yeah, three yeah, months, yeah, yeah. I nearly got fired because yeah. I was pretty crap at it. Yeah. Because um, I didn't really get it. Yeah. And I didn't really get it because it was foreign to mm, me, how course. I should act, behave, how I should deal with things, the counter, all those sorts of things. Um, so we have a mentoring scheme so that when you're having that really awful day, there is somebody there saying, it does get better. It's okay, yeah. It's you okay. Need that. You're allowed a bad day. What can I do to help you today? And if someone just needs to let off steam, yes. I can just make a rapid, oh, I'm going, this yeah, is not yeah, for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Or if somebody really isn't right for it, that mentor as well. Can also see can that. coach them through and say, you're a really nice person and maybe this isn't the right thing for Love you. Love that. They just have that. On the That's other really side good. of things, anybody that joins our business, regardless of their level of experience in recruitment, spends three months working only on the candidate cycle. Yes, that's how I did it. Somebody new to our business that's, um, you know, a graduate or someone that's come from the South, wherever they come from, they spend three months doing an absolute and utter deep dive and lots and lots and lots of work with candidates, Mm. really speaking to them, really finding out what they do, what motivates them, and all the nuances that you need once you get a full 360 desk. Um, And also what they don't realise, and it's fabulous is a lot of the people they're dealing with are quite senior and they'll often yeah. then flip into your client. Okay. So you're already getting a soft entry to business yeah, nice. development. I think that's solid advice. And that, that's how mine was structured, the way my director did it, was just really focus on the candidate side. And what you used to say is if, if you can do the candidate, pit, uh, the candidate part, then you will have the power because, as you 100%. said, like the jobs are there, right? Normally, yeah. the jobs are there. Oh, they're there. But if, and if you have don't like to call them always a product, but if you have the right candidate for your market and you know that, that skill set and that type of person is sought after, 100%. you're going to have a lot more success in yeah. making some more placements, which yeah. is always nice. No, um, you mentioned something there which I think is really interesting, and now that recruitment businesses are, uh, are my clients, I sometimes see through the workshops that we do with our clients, and the bit I wanted to draw on was you said that you act, You don't want to be seen as a middle-aged woman walking through your business. Like, Who's that, right? So I think some really cool... I'd love to um, hear your opinion on... Cause, so how many people was in your... The, in clinical professionals now, how many people do you employ? So we are about 80 in terms of consultants and resources. Okay. Um, and then some back office. Question I have is, obviously it can be hard to not... When you get to that sort of size, not to have a disconnect from senior management mm-hmm. you guys to the guy on on the sales floor right yeah how have you managed that like how have you dealt with that because i'm sure it's been a journey and there are ups and downs with it but how have you yeah. dealt with that a very good friend of mine in industry a ceo of another staffing business said to me you're going to really struggle as the business gets 
yeah, bigger yeah, yeah. because you won't be able to know everybody anymore. And you, I feel like you're someone that likes to, likes to know everyone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I am. I like to get right down in there. Um, and he said, you're going to really struggle with that. So you have to condition yourself for that to happen. Okay. So for a couple of months, I was thinking through how I would condition myself to not get to know the people that I worked with. And I actually so the mindset the end, thing first. I don't want to do that. Really? I made the decision I'm not doing that. Okay. So um, I train every single person on the first, first day, day yeah, that said. they come to industry. So I get to spend a whole day with everybody that comes into the business. So I am not a stranger to them. Love that. I have a 100% open door policy. I don't care what I am doing in a day. And I have quite intense days if somebody needs to talk to me. They can just open my door and come and talk to me. I love that. Um, I don't sit on the sales floor anymore. And that's I do when I'm in London. I don't when I'm in, in my Reading office. And sometimes I have a personal conflict with that. <laughs> um, but I also have a lot of tricky phone calls sometimes in the day. Yeah. And I find in London, I'm always walking outside with my mobile all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, and I, I know there are okay. two rules of thought uh, around that. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, so... I we have wash ups in our business as well. So every Friday in, in yeah. whatever office I get involved in those. Nice. Um I will mentor some of the people within okay. the business. Um so there are lots of different ways yeah. that I So these different touch points. Yeah, also that every you time make we, sure you still have every time we make a placement in the business, we send out <laughs> some quite dodgy pictures actually but we have a very creative team and every time we make a placement there's like a meme they'll make up that goes yeah, out yeah. with that placement okay uh generally around each other different teams and things like yeah, that yeah. they're really really funny yeah they are monitored closely by the directors <laughs> to make sure that nothing comes across my desk that's going to yeah, um, yeah of course shock me of course um i am still highly shockable um <laughs> and i always respond to those as well personally and say it's a brilliant fee or love that. well done love it yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Or, um so i I do know about people in the business. Yeah. I do get to know them. We we have quite a low attrition rate, so a lot of my people have been around a long time. I like that. So. Well, if some, if I was an agency owner, go, I haven't got time for that. What? How much time is that taken up? Because on a on a realistic type of level, like how much time would that is that taking you as a CEO of an agency owner? Well, let's turn that around mm. and let's look at what happens when you don't do that. Yeah, see, I like that. Okay, you get high attrition. <laughs> yeah. You get people that don't have an authentic leader. Yeah. Um, you, you know, I will go in if, I think one of the teams is struggling. Yeah. I'll go in and help. I'll go in and work with them. Um, and not because I'm going in with a hammer, like, Whoa! I will go in because I've been in those teams. Yeah. I've been that consultant. Yeah. Um, and if I think somebody's talented, sometimes, everybody has a bad day, bad week, bad month. It happens. Um, I always say there's um, no luck in recruitment because yeah. um, I think really it's it's a skill based role. Yeah. Until that thing where you've done absolutely everything, 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 yeah. everything right, and it is down to that you know you've yeah. done everything. And, um, but some people do have bad months. You know, things mm. cl- clients can be quite unreliable. Um, candidates can be quite unreliable. Mm. So. so when mentioned about bad days what did any sort of technique that you used to use when you have bad days crying you... always worked <laughs> good old blubber yeah still do that though yeah. uh, what helps on a bad day finding a good day yeah um, I'm a great believer in the law of attraction I think oh, yeah, what big you time. put out there you get back for sure um, I always when I'm interviewing people pre-warn them 
um, you know, this is a job where you've got hundreds of plates spinning. Yeah. In terms of those highs within your, if the only thing that's going to give you a high is when you make a fee, you're only going to have two or three highs a month. Yeah. So you have to find other ways to feel brilliant about Small what wins. you do. Little, little wins every day. Yeah, I agree. So when you find that absolutely amazing candidate, bang out you candidate, buzzing, yeah. Yeah. You're deeply yeah, in yeah, love yeah, with yeah. and think, oh my God. Um, <laughs> love that. That's infectious. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. People pick that up. Um, having really good teams around you that when you have fun, you hit the wall, they pick you up. They don't yeah, yeah, trample yeah. on you trying to get to your business. <clears throat> um, but there's just a good culture as well. Yeah, so yeah. all of those. Yeah, have you ever looked at, um, have you ever meditated? Have you yes, tried I that? Do. Yeah. I do meditate, yes. Okay, nice. Yes. Yeah, that, that helped me a lot. I think mindfulness is really, really important. Especially when dealing with people. Like, you're, you're literally dealing with other people's emotions and Absolutely. lives. So I think, yeah, mindfulness. 100%. This, if you equip yourself yeah. with those, it is a skill, and that's really, that helped me a lot yeah. on the well, bad days. A very good friend of mine called Suhel Mirza has just written a book called Many Mansions. Okay. And it's, uh, it's about his spiritual journey. Now, he was a very, very senior um, leader within recruitment. Within oh, nice. Oh, cool. Uh, he's lovely, absolutely lovely man. He's also written a book called Meet the CEO. Okay. He talks about different industry leaders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and actually, his book is amazing. And I think a lot of his... And again, it was... Because I was actually having quite a tough time over some of the internal stuff that had been going on in the business, which is my job. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. have tough days. That, yeah, of course. Know. But sometimes you need different mechanisms to deal with that. Of course. And I always feel a little bit like, oh, God, can I say that I meditate? Can I... Because, you, you know, that make me one of these, you know, softies out there. But actually that quiet time, our minds are never quiet now. No, 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 no. Never quiet. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I think good. for me it's... It just equips you with like the the skills to actually take a step back, Absolutely. because in in recruitment when you have those bad days, it's so easy to just to be completely all in it and go yeah. that candidate has let me down straight away, that client has let me down, and you're just all in there. But it's yeah. just being able to, and it is hard to be able to go, all right, let's take a step back. What's actually going yeah. on here? As opposed to jumping straight in it. Yeah. And I think yeah that that helped me a lot. And then also I think if you're if you're not going to do it for yourself, do it for your team because when you're in an absolute strop mm. because something happened, you are going to affect your team and it is infectious in, in a bad way, right? Absolutely. So I think that's also something to be aware of. Go, look, just take a step back and say, you know what, I'm not going to be a moody sod like, because I don't want to annoy my teammates and I actually mm. care about my teammates. Um, so that's interesting. Um, so two questions and we'll, I'll let you go. Okay. Um, I think you've probably already answered it, but I like the question, so I'm going to ask it. If... You said about technology and people sort of being still a bit too transactional as recruiters and stuff like that. If LinkedIn was to shut down tomorrow mm-hmm. and you had to carry on with your recruitment desk yes. or start your recruitment desk from yeah. scratch, yeah. what would you do? How would you start it? We would be fine because actually we have something in our business called candidate ownership, which is very unusual in recruitment. Okay. Um, so everybody within my, my business is responsible for a portfolio of highly skilled candidates nice. and they have to be in contact with them um, at, at worst every two weeks but at really? best every week um, even if it's an update call to say to them how are you this is what I've been doing has anything in your situation changed mm. so right away with around 80 staff in the business with this live active list of candidates that they work with yeah. we would continue operating Love that. I think we use, I think LinkedIn's a great um, vehicle. 
Um, but I think it's overused because people aren't putting the right information on their own database. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they aren't developing a good enough relationship to code those candidates up and make sure they yes. can find them. And um, because they haven't got that relationship, yeah. they're not remembering them, they're not visible. Yeah, and how much of, of um, people's databases are they actually engaging with? Like, are, do, you know, do you know what I mean? It's, it's just a thousand candidates just yeah. sitting there, it's just information, and it's not... Absolutely. And yeah. So you've got... Um, you know, one one week, one person, the business will speak to them. Another week, it's someone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How does that work? Mm. Okay, um, so that's interesting. So we'd be fine. <laughs> um, last question, um, which I ask to everyone, is um, if you could communicate to every single recruiter out there, they'd listen to a vet, they'd take on your advice, they'd implement it tomorrow. It can be a sentence, can be a word. What would you say? Make your candidates the lifeblood of what you do mm. and really, really enjoy yourself. It's a yeah. brilliant career. Yeah. Just an amazing career. Love it. So, before we finish, what what's going on in your world, Dan? Um, anything exciting? <laughs> uh, my world is always exciting. <laughs> the problem with my world is it moves too bloody quickly. Um, what's going on in my world? We are developing or have developed a very, very specialist RPO. Okay, um, cool. A pure play life sciences RPO. Um, and uh, that's been quite a journey. Mm. I have been retraining myself and going through uh, courses and programs and employee value proposition. Nice. Um, so that I can add more value to the clients that I work yeah, with yeah, yeah. directly. Um, and that's been really interesting because I've been able to be more reflective on my own business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also I have been able to use that with clients and build some case studies of works with them. I am, I've just come back from the States, so we've got an office out in Boston. Amazing. And I was working out, I'm out there every couple of months. Um, and, you know, that's a very inspiring market. Boston is the probably other, alongside California, is the largest global hub of life sciences okay. anywhere in the world. And it's such a dynamic, um, driven, inspirational, innovative really cool. area of the world. So that's fascinating when I go out there. On Tuesday evening, I am hosting a dinner for medical directors. Okay, cool. 15 medical directors. This is another part of our value-add in industry. Nice. So we're bringing them together under Chatham House rules uh, to talk about what's really disrupting the industry for them at the moment. Um, we get to spend some face time with them. Mm. And we then build um, articles and PR on the back of wow. that, uh, which then helps to inform industry yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, so a lot going directors. on. Yeah, love it. A lot going love on. it. Uh, yeah. Well, look, thank you so much for coming in. It's I been think a pleasure. It's been some um, real, some good insights. So it's a long thank walk. you. I wish I'd got the old uh, bus <laughs> down here, but anyway, I'll know, um, I'll know next time. Thank you so much for your time. Right, it's been Cheers. really good. Thank you.